Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week's fortnightly podcast series, where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm Danny Rogers, Editor-in-Chief of PR Week, and in a change to our usual format for Noise in Brief, I'll be your host today, and I'm joined by News Editor Siobhan Holt and Reporter Evie Barrett. Welcome both. Hello. Hi, Danny. Well, it's been a busy end to the year in the PR business yet again. It's a strange time of year, this, isn't it? Because you feel like you should be going out to uh, parties and catching up <laughs> with people. But in fact, there's loads of work to do before the end of the year. There so um, I'm sure everybody feels the same. Talking of which, PR Week is publishing its annual awards rankings tables next week under our knowledge tier of content, which shows the agencies, the clients and the campaigns that have won the most accolades over the past year. So do make sure you check that out from Monday. But back to the news stories for now. So let's jump straight in. There's been a lot of agency merger acquisition and restructure stories published by PR Week recently. We've had MNC Saatchi restructuring its UK operations, which has seen its sports and entertainment agency merge with others in the group. There's been entertainment PR agency Premier which has launched its Manchester office earlier this year, and it's now expanding into Scotland, buying an Edinburgh-based PR agency. What are they called, Siobhan? The... It's called The Corner Shop. Okay, interesting. And yeah. we've also had <laughs> the PHA Group, Phil Hall Associates in Old Money, purchasing its second agency in Leeds. So, Siobhan, why all this merger and acquisition activity, do you think? I think it might have something to do with coming to the token northerner um i think providing like a northern or an outside london perspective is always going to be an advantage to any agency especially going into pitches i think having that insight in the room really helps so i wonder if that might be a big factor what do you think you need you agree yeah i think bigger agencies are definitely realizing the power of having regional expertise and they want to open these hubs in, in different areas. And acquisitions are quite an efficient way to do that because Absolutely. you've already got the staff and the clients all packaged up. So rather than having to open a new office and start from scratch, you've got a, a sturdy base already. Absolutely. And I think as well, the talent's there, isn't yeah. it, as well? You've already got the base of that. It can be quite expensive to hire new staff mm. starting from scratch. So as you say, that base is established. And it's expensive, I think, in London. You've got a higher cost of living. So I think there is a slightly more affordable aspect to this as well of having regional hubs. Hmm. From what I've heard, there are more accounts available that aren't based in London. So I think from a pitching perspective, it makes sense, especially sort of, like I said, for the bigger agencies where there are tougher trading conditions. A lot of them are kind of lowering their thresholds for pitching and going for more accounts. So the ones from the regional businesses could be quite valuable. Yeah, and we've even from our stories that we're writing on PR Week, we're seeing these accounts that are definitely, we wrote one about Liverpool universities. Mm. We've had Iceland, which obviously is based in the north of England or in Wales, I should say. So the, there's definitely these accounts that are out there. So that would make sense. That would fit the agenda. Yeah. Do you think it's something to do with post-pandemic that we're all learning to work from anywhere and therefore clients can have agencies anywhere. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. I think anecdotally, I'm definitely getting that when I speak to people that I've had uh, agency bosses say to me that it's very hard to pay the wages now in central London, especially for account execs. So there is that. And also having that voice in the room from an outside, from a regional, whether that be Scotland, Bristol, Northern Ireland, a lot of brands are asking for that insight now. So I think there is that element as well. 
I think that's really healthy. I mean, we're always accused, PR Week's always accused, the PR industry is always accused of being a bit too London-centric. So it mm. uh, should be more of a national business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is one way to do it. Okay, so let's look at something else that's in the news this week, which of course is the big COP28 conference happening in Dubai this year. As we predicted a couple of weeks ago, COP28 is proving fairly controversial, mainly because it's in Dubai, a a part of the world that produces a lot of fossil fuels itself. And at the weekend, we had the COP28 president accused of saying there is no science behind the demands to phase out fossil fuels which uh, created quite a a stir in the media. I think it was the lead story on the Sunday Times. And Clean Creatives, the pressure group, have been targeting PR and ad agencies that have fossil fuel clients. This, Mm -hmm. again, is something that's been ongoing by Clean Creatives, and they're using COP as a chance to do that. So do we think that Dubai being the host is undermining these climate talks overall? I mean, I've definitely seen more negative headlines about the host nation than I have about positive developments from the conference as a whole. But at the same time, I think it's still bringing attention to the event and keeping people interested in what goes on there, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I liked what Andrew Aidy from Sec Newgate said in a comment piece he wrote for us that instead of trying to bury the elephant in the room, which is fossil fuel emissions, COP28 is illuminating it with floodlights, so it's now unavoidable for it to be addressed. I think everyone's kind of hyper-focused on it now. Yeah, and and there has been some positives that have come out of it. Obviously, they're not getting the headlines the same way, but there has been some good news that agreements have been achieved. So on the first day, there was a fund to help poor and vulnerable countries which have been impacted by the climate disaster that was agreed on. And there's reports today of potential talks about an agreement to phase out fossil fuels. So that could be good news overall. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the controversy is probably good. And I see the COP president was forced yesterday to sort of climb back and say, Absolutely. no, we are committed to phasing out fossil fuels. And, um, you know, I think that forces people's hands in a way. The controversy makes sure they, they have to make pledges they mean. Yeah, the other thing about COP28 is Rishi Sunak, the British Prime Minister, has been criticised for flying in and out of Dubai. I think this is fair criticism. I mean, it, how, how you get to Dubai without flying <laughs> I think it's the issue. I don't think you can get on a boat. (laughs) You'd be be gone for quite a while. So, yeah, I think some of the criticism towards him has been a little unfair, which is difficult for me to say. (laughs) Mm, That debate actually reminded me. So I recently wrote a roundup of all the agencies that have achieved B Corp certification at the end of this year. And there was an agency actually that I was quite impressed by called Lemongrass, which does PR for travel brands. And they became B Corp certified by essentially setting a target to run a quarter of all their press trips by train, ferry or electric car. And they also ran a media roadshow via these sustainable travel methods. They went around the UK and Ireland and met more than 100 travel journalists, which saved the same amount of carbon as it would take to run eight flights from London to Paris. So I think even though obviously travel can be controversial, there are ways to kind of be sensible about it and make progress. Mm, that's really impressive. And as you say, maybe that's something that the government needs to be looking at and maybe the royal family and, and 
bigger figureheads that if you're going to do these sort of things that you need to maybe look at your impact Mm, yeah that's one way of getting around the negative comms yeah doing what you can yeah there are a load of other agencies obviously which have been b corp certified this year which is great to hear and you can read more about those agencies on our website prweek.com should we also talk about climate campaigns because there's been a lot launched around cop Mm. naturally and perhaps talk about some of our favorites or things we've admired i think for me my favorite and i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure you've seen it is the make my money matter campaign with olivia coleman or should we be calling it oblivia coal mine i think was the name they've given her so for those that don't know it's a film that's um received quite a lot of widespread attention because actor coleman dresses as a latex wearing oil executive and the point is to highlight the role of pension funds in fossil fuel projects and my favourite line, and it has to be the dig, drill and destroy more of the planet than ever before. She she really goes for it in this film. It's very tongue in cheek. I've seen it shared on social media by some of my friends, which really took me back. I think it's had a real impact and it's brought something that a lot of people probably don't know. Don't think that your pension funds are being used for this. And in an age where we're all encouraged to have a pension now through our employers, I think it's quite a impactful campaign and I really liked it and incidentally it's one of the five campaigns we liked in November so you can go to prweek.com and vote for your favourite. Evie what's been your favourite? Well I agree with Siobhan that I think climate campaigns that are a bit out of the box tend to get a lot more attention for obvious reasons. There was one that I really liked from Ecology which is a climate action platform for businesses and they worked with the comedy music duo Cassette Boy, who I hadn't actually heard of before, but they're great. They made a parody song about the UK government's approach to climate action. And they did it using snippets of speeches from Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, ultimately to try and push for businesses to take initiative and reduce their own carbon emissions. But I thought it was really clever the way that they'd done it and obviously gets out a really important message. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Cassette Boys appeared before in PR Week, mm. actually. They've um, <laughs> been a bit of a favourite over the years. One I particularly liked was Virgin Atlantic. I don't know if you saw, they launched the first transatlantic flight powered by low carbon fuel mm. about a week ago. And it got pretty much blanket coverage across the media. BBC did a big piece on it where they yeah. filmed it taking off. In fact, I remember about 12 years ago, Virgin Atlantic running their first biofuels flight. So I'm not sure how much these low carbon flights have really moved on in the last 12 years. But I think Virgin Atlantic's point is we need to lead the debate on this. We need to get the coverage and get the conversation going. And hopefully people will start finding some alternative to fossil fuels yeah and i think leading the way is the way to do it isn't it someone's got to start the conversation i suppose and hopefully more firms will follow suit amen okay so we're also going to look at the high interest rates in the business world at the moment and the way that they're affecting pr land Unfortunately, we've spoken a lot this year about PR agencies struggling, with some even having to close as a result. In fact, this week, we heard the news that Sirencoms had sadly closed its doors. This news makes sense given the tough economic circumstances. Inflation, as we know, has been at its highest rate for 40 years, and it seems that interest rates are unlikely to drop from their current level of 5.25% anytime soon. 
Now, Evie, you've spoken to some industry figures about this and some finance pros about how these high UK borrowing costs are impacting agency. What did they say? Yeah, so I spoke to Rachel Marshall, who runs an accounting firm called Magic Digits for creative agencies. And she said she definitely noticed some agencies taking out loans this year, seeing as it's been such a tough time. And those ones will definitely be feeling pressure. She said that they may find that they're only paying off the interest rather than the loan itself. So that's obviously not ideal. It's like mortgages, but for business. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I also spoke to Andrew Block and Michael Murphy, who both sit in advisor and non-exec director roles, and they made it clear that cash flow is very important for PR businesses at the moment. In fact, it's just as important as profit margins at a time when the economy is struggling. Andrew Block also made the point that fee income can serve as a vanity metric if costs are disproportionately high, so agencies should take that into account. Interestingly, Howard Kosky, who is founder of Marketeers, said that he actually didn't think interest rates should be a huge issue for PR agencies because the more sensible ones would leave headroom for market movement before they agree to take any financing. So that's a bit more of a bold take. But he said he thinks that actually salary inflation is more of a challenge at the moment, seeing as staff is the main overhead cost for agencies. I'm not sure if you've heard any similar stories from other agencies? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, these are two huge issues, aren't they, for agencies? It's the cost of their their borrowing and also the, the high costs of um, salaries. We all know that wage inflation has been high because the cost of living has gone up. So there's a lot of pressure on agencies at the moment for overheads and um, staff, of course, is one of the biggest overheads for agencies. I think business rates are going up as well on mm. offices. So yeah, yeah. PR agencies are feeling a lot of pressure from a cost point of view. And um, it's difficult to raise fees to pay for that, I guess. Yeah. And obviously wages already had increased post-COVID. So that's only keep going, doesn't it? And mm. then it's quite rightly said that that's then a main overhead cost. So how you balance that? And as you say, maybe they saved a bit of money not having the offices to the same extent. But now with rates going up, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And I think, as you said, Evie, Howard Kosky, he said, you know, the sensible ones should have left headroom for market movement, but nobody knew that interest rates were going to go up as much as they have. So, you know, it's a tricky one. There's probably a few agencies really feeling the squeeze and Mm. we could see some more failures, sadly, over the next few months, I think. Yeah. And obviously these challenges are not just exclusive to PR. They'll impact the accounts as well. And then that's a knock-on effect to PR. So it all links. Mm. Well, on that cheery note. No, no, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's all for this week's Noise in Brief, I'm afraid. Noise in Brief does go live every two weeks. But look out for our longer interview-based podcast, Beyond the Noise, which, of course, comes out next week. And I believe we're doing a, an extra podcast next week as well. Yeah, we're spoiling them, really, aren't yeah. we? <laughs> noise in Brief Extra, it's going to be called. So uh, look out for that one. So thank you so much to Siobhan and to Evie for their insight this week. Do check out prweek.com forward slash UK for all the latest news and all our great events, too, that are coming up in 2024. And thank you to you, listener, for tuning in. Bye for now.